Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History. I'm A.K. Hemingway, and today we are talking about Place de Vosges. Now, I'm sure you've seen this place, you've visited. It's very well known around Paris, and I'll let Claudine take it from here. Yeah, Place de Vosges is one of those really beautiful little spots in Paris. It is built on what was the former Hotel des Tournelles that was built in 1388. Uh, Louis XII died there in 1550. Um, and later Francois Premier um, and his mistress lived there for a short period of time. Um, when he ended up, he was staying over at the Louvre and Fontainebleau. He'd leave his mistress over there to come visit her. Um, but in Hen- and Henry II, um, used to keep his mistress, Diane de Poitiers, there for a while. Um, but an event was held on June 29, 1559. It was a jousting tournament um, that was put on to celebrate the marriage of Elizabeth de France to Philippe II, um, who was the daughter of Henry II. Um, and uh, Marguerite de France, um, and also who was his sister, was also marrying the Duc de Savoie. So it was a big, huge party. Henry II decided to take part in this jousting tournament with Gabrielle Delorge Montgomery. Um, the king was uh, was raised up his uh, joust, um, and Gabrielle ended up coming towards him with his jousting stick and ended up getting him right on the edge of his eye. But a piece of the wood broke off um, and got into his eye, and he died. The king died 12 days later on July 10, 1559, because he basically got sepsis and from, from the piece of wood and killed him hate when that happens. Yeah. Henry forgave him, but Jean d'Albert, who was the mother of Henry um, IV, um, named uh, him her lieutenant general during the St. Bartholomew Day Massacre. Um, he ended up as being able to escape Saint-Germain. Um, they fled with uh, with Henry, the Duc d'Anguilhem, um, who was the Ill- illegitimate son of Henry II, and but he was enemy of Charles IX. Charles IX, of course, was the da- was the son, daughter, the son of Catherine de Medici, who the two of them were in cahoots to to basically call the Saint Bartholomew Day massacre, which we'll ha- we should do a whole episode about that, just because it's pretty horrific. Um, but they put a bounty on his head because Henry II now was dead, even though Henry, um, you know, forgave this guy Catherine because she was so evil and vile. She decided no. So in 1574. Um, she got her final revenge, and he was in Donfort. He was captured um, when his army was overtaken. At the conciergerie, he was charged with um, laissez Maget, um, which is attack against a sovereign. He was tortured and beheaded on the Place de Greve on June 26, 1574, as Catherine de Medici watched. 
Why is not all of Paris haunted? There should be I know. Yeah. Um, Alexander Dumas wrote about it. Um, he wrote Les Deux Dians after Henry II's uh, death. Um, it has a little bit about that. That is when she decided she did not want to live there at the Hotel de la Tournelle because of the horrible memories. Um, and she decided to have the Palais de Tuileries built, which was basically at, at the where the Jardin de Tuileries is now and was kind of at the end of the Louvre. Um, in 1563, she ordered um, the other palace demolished. Um, it was for a short period of time a stable and a market. And in 1603, Henry IV wanted it to be um, used to the area to be used to create these amazing factories that would, that would create silk and silver, um, to go up against what they were doing in Lyon and Milan. Um, and so part of the land he gave to, to basically all these people like come build your companies here, but a lot of them couldn't afford it. And so then after that really wasn't working for him, he ended up giving a lot of the property to a bunch of rich nobles that surrounded him. Um, and that is where we get our today with the Palais, with the Palais Royale. It was the very first square in Paris um, that was a royal square. And so originally it was called the Palais Royal. It has 36 pavilions, um, nine per side. Each one of them is identical. But if you really look at them, and especially at the very top with the windows, the windows, a lot of the windows are different. But it's still the whole thing. There's so much of a like that it is a like that you don't really notice unless you really look at it. it doesn't really stick out. Um, the King's Pavilion um, was on is on the south side and the Queen's Pavilion is on the north. Um, it was inaugurated under Louis Thirteenth and Anne of Austria on, in April of 1612. And in the very center is a square, is a square um, Louis Thirteenth, and um, was created in 1639. And there's a statue in the middle of it that was originally um, destroyed during the revolution, but it was replaced with the current statue um, by Charles Dupatry. Um, he um, also did uh, Jean-Pierre Courtois was a co- who also copied it. He did the a fountain that was inaugurated in November on November 4th, 1829. But the funny thing about this statue, when you look at it is it is here, he is on this horse, but the horse in the very center underneath the horse has like a stump. Uh-huh. And basically the stump goes up to his belly of the horse. And it's because the it's stone and the belly started to crack and droop. So they ended up <laughs> basically just creating this thing. that's almost like a crutch, but looks like a, like a stump of a tree. <laughs> so it's very funny to see because it's like, what was the horse just walking and decided I'm just going to stop here and rest my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> um, the palace, the, the place changed names many times from Prost Royale to 1792 when it was the Place de Ferreira. Um, in 1800, it was named the Place de Vosges, which was re- proposed by Lucien Bonaparte, who was a minister of the interior um, and Napoleon's brother. Vosges was the very first department in all of France to pay taxes to the new French Republic under Napoleon. So that's why it's called Vosges? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's kind of boring. It's not very sexy, but... <laughs> yeah, the first taxpayers? Pfft. I know, but it's then it changed again. It was in 1814, Louis XVIII named it Place Royale again. Um, in 1830, Louis Philippe um, called the Place Royale de Vosges. Um, 1848 was Place de République. Um, and in 1871, it finally changed back to Place de, de Vosges, and that's where it stayed. They couldn't make their minds up. 
No. Um, there are for fountains. Those are the ones by Jean-Pierre Cartot that are across it. And the trees that are planted under Louis XIV were mostly destroyed in the revolution. But no, the trees you see today, the chestnut trees, were all mostly planted under Napoleon. Well, they're that old. Yeah, but a lot of it in the 19th century, um, it really started to fall apart um, because before that it was, you know, all of these members of the court of Henry IV um, and then later Louis XIII. Um, but then it started to kind of fall in disrepair, which is also about the same time that Ile Saint-Louis that we talked about a couple weeks ago started. So I think all of those people were like, we're out of here going to the island. <laughs> But at number one, when you stand in the very center of it and you look south, number one is the Pavillon de Wa. It is the highest of all of the buildings. Um, it in 1605 was done by Jean Robelin. Um, he and also with the amazing carpenter Gilles Lured, um, they created the facade and all of the elements inside of it. Henry the Fourth never lived there. He died in 1610. Um, none of the royals lived there, even though it was called Palais. Place Royale and Palais Royale for a period of time. Not not a single uh, member of the monarchy lived there. On the Pavillon de Roi, you do see a bust of Henry IV on there um, that has a little bas relief. And in 1781, Francois Leroy, who was a dentist, lived there. He must have been a very wealthy dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I love that no royalty lived there. No, but um, not right next door at 1B's, um, which when you see an address on uh, and it says B-I-S, it's basically kind of like one and a half or, you know, it's kind of like they ended up moving it. So maybe there was one and then three, but then they're adding a building in the middle. So they just called it bees. Um, it took me a very long time to find that information many, many years ago. But in this building, this is where another lady <laughs> we talked about, the Marquise de Sevigny. She was born there on February 5th, 1626. She is the one we talked about that was the woman of letters. And those were the letters she wrote to her daughter that basically document that entire 17th century period of time of France. But she was born there, and that is where her grandparents lived. Huh. It's very cool. Um, in 1705, the Marquise de Daniel um, was a writer Super. and a close uh, friend of Louis XIV, lived there for 10 years. Um, and in 1909, Pierre uh, or Paris Singer, whose mother was Isabel Boyer, who we will talk about here in a couple of weeks, she, he was the 22nd child of Isaac Merritt Singer. And if you maybe hear that last name, you think, hey, aren't there Singer sewing machines? Which is probably exactly what you're thinking, Crystal. <laughs> he was incredibly, incredibly wealthy. At one point, he also had a child with his like the 22nd child? 22nd child. He also was married to Isidore Duncan. They had a child together. Uh, but Isabel Boyer, um, he was also married to. Um, in 1909, Paris Singer lived there. But they were extremely wealthy. His father was the one who created the Singer sewing machine. Which is still a huge company today. Um, at number three, right next door, um, Coulange um, also owned this one. He This was the Société Anome de Union Centrale de Beaux-Arts. Um, since 1939, it still is there today. Um, night right next door at number five, Louis de uh, Rousseau, 
raised and built this um, and had it rebuilt under Jules Cousin in the 1887. They could change. Um, you could basically, they were allowed to do whatever they wanted on the inside, but the outside had to stay the same. So if somebody took it down, they had to rebuild it. So it looked just like that. Um, Louise books, a uh, huge collection of books um, are saved in the Musée de Carnavalet, which is very close by. And he was the very first curator of the Carnavalet Museum under Hausmann. So you go right next door to that. There is a little tiny walkway that takes you to the back and the sweet little garden of the Hotel de Sully. Um, at number nine, this is um, Henry IV gave this to his friend, uh, Pierre Fougiper. Um, he was a king's advisor and the mayor over um, the, that area at the time. Um, he gave number nine through 13 to uh, Charles Dabatin Ali. And in 1850, another girl we talked about just recently in the last few months, Rachel Felix, who was the very first international star. She lived there in 1850. And when she died at 36 years old in Le Canet down in the south of France, her body was returned um, and it was on display in her apartment here in number seven which is very sad. Um, she was the one who was a mistress of Napoleon the third display. Gross. Well, I mean, they, just like you go to any funeral now, you know, it's not, you know, you're embalmed and stuff like that. Um, but she was the one who was a mistress to Napoleon the third, also his son, and also the illegitimate son of Napoleon Bonaparte, who she had a son with, but I loved her story. So if you haven't listened to that episode, make busy sure. girl. Take, listen to that one. Um, at number 11 is the Hotel de Villeserre. It was sold to Francois de Lemonnier, who was the Secretary of Finance to Henry IV. But right outside there on the pillar that's facing, facing out towards the middle of the square, look at the pillar closest to number 11. And on it, you will see inscribed in it, it says 1764 Nicolas. Nicolas Restif de Le Breton was a printmaker and a typographer. He used to go around the city every single night and carve into the walls. He was known as the Griffon, which means the scribbler. Um, it was done in 1764, and it is the oldest surviving piece of graffiti in all of Paris. And it's pretty cool. So definitely go and check it out. It's very, it's hard to miss. Yeah. And every, they, go even find when it. They, yeah, it's really cool. Um, number 13 was the Grand Hotel de Rohan, Louis Laveau, who, again, we talked about all over Ile Saint-Louis. Um, he ended up having this built. Um, inside of it was the painter Auguste Laurent Boulard, did a ton of the work on the top, on the ceilings of it. That's what would be really cool to go and see inside of some of these places. And every once in a while, you do see one of these places for sale, and it costs a fortune. Um, but it would be really cool to see some of those ancient ceilings, but you can see some of them now somewhere else, which I'll tell you about. Um, and number 21, the Hotel Cardinal Richelieu, um, but he never lived there. His brother-in-law did the Duke de Richelieu. His great-grand-nephew also bought it for a period of time. He lived next door to the Prince de Guise um, and ended up marrying his daughter. At number 23, the Hotel Baspamiere was where Marie Touche was a mistress of Charles the Ninth. There's quite a few mistresses lived here. <laughs> Charlotte was the minister, um, Marie Charlotte uh, was a mistress of the Marchand. Um, and then right next door um, at 25 is Pierre Gobelin de Quincy. He and his son Thomas um, lived there. And on, on March 4th, 1680, Thomas set fire to it to prove his love for the Madame de Montespan. 
who was the uh, mistress to Louis the Fourteenth, the one that we also talked about that was involved in poisoning him. So he showed his love by trying to burn down the building. Three of them were destroyed. Um, in the very center of it is the Queen's Pav- Pavilion at number 28. It uh, was done by Nicolas Jean de Castille, who was a treasurer who worked for Nicolas Fouquet. Um, Nicolas Fouquet is the one who had Voli Vicomte built that we've talked about before, who, if you remember that, uh, being uh, the treasurer that worked for Nicolas Fouquet, was not going to work in her favor. Um, in the 1685, mm-hmm. it was destroyed. He ended up actually going off to prison as well as his boss. Um, and then, but they, at the very top of it, it's really cool. There's uh, finials at the very top of Fleur de Lis. Um, it is now a hotel, um, the Pavillon de Dorian. And it is, starts to stay the night there. It starts at like in the high 300 euros a night. But it is looks <laughs> very, very beautiful. Um, here also, there's tons of restaurants there in the Pas de Vosges. There's some Carrette. There's the, um, there's the one, the Bourgogne, which I think is really good. There's two other very high-end restaurants that are closer to the Pavillon de, de Bois. Um, very high-end restaurants over there too, but it's really a beautiful, and our friend, a friend of ours lives close to there as well. But when you get around to the other corner, um, you could, there are some buildings, uh, some of the structures there that were completely rehauled inside, but some of them you can now luckily see what was saved from there at the Carnivalet. Um, number 14, the Hotel Ribio was a ceiling by Charles Lebrun um, that was moved to the Carnivalet um, in 1654 before um, Volivicomte. Uh, Charles Lebrun um, actually did this first, so he went off to do Volivicomte and then Versailles. Um, in 1793, it was confiscated and um, became the eighth. Uh, the mayor um, of Paris, the eighth mayor, lived there until 1860. And then in 1865, it became a synagogue, randomly. Um, Charles Lebrun did the different paintings of um, different uh, gods. He did Bacchus and Venus and uh, Juno and Ceres and Cupid. Um, but all of these, luckily, you can see them in the Carnivalet, which is really cool. The Legend of Psyche, where Mercury um, is bringing her back to Olympus. And eight other pieces are now all in the Carnivalet, which is really cool to I see. I have to go visit. Yeah. And then down on this side, there is um, there is number 12, the Hotel de Castille, which was Pierre de Castille, who was the comptroller of France in 1645, Jérôme de Nouveau. Um, he was the uh, superintendent of the post. Um, he had Eustace Lestor and Charles Lebrun paint and uh, redo his ceilings. He held weekly salons there um, and even had somebody, people like Jacques Rousseau um, paint the trompe l'oeil in the courtyard walls. He ended up giving it, giving the whole thing to Marie um, and Jeanne Dungo in 1694. And in 1854, the city of Paris took it over and destroyed the entire inside of it and turn it into a girl's school. And we have none of that anymore. Very sad. So sad. So sad. Um, and number eight, the Hotel de Forcy was um, done by, uh, given to, by Henry IV to his superintendents of King, the King's building, Jean de Forcy. Um, he was, uh, he bought it and then ended up giving it uh, to Antoine Lauder, who was a master carpenter. Um, who also did some work on other uh, on the hotel on the Hotel de Ville. Theophile Gautier lived there in eighteen twenty eight to eighteen thirty four. 
He is where his parents lived. He said, I then lived with my parents at the Place Royale, number eight, in the corner of a row of arcades when it was the town hall. If I note this detail is not to indicate the future of my residence, I am not one of those who posterity will mark and house with a bust or a marble plaque. Today, there's a marble plaque there. (laughs) But his friend, Victor Hugo, lived at the corner. Um, He and Victor Hugo would lean out the window and talk to each other. Uh, Gautier was an art critic and a poet. um, And he had a, he had two daughters um, with Judith Gautier. um, But Gautier would end up, she became one of the mistresses. um, One of his daughters became the mistress of Victor Hugo and also Baudelaire. Baudelaire dedicated Les Fleurs de Mel to him. Um, So it's quite the whole little, uh, the whole little thing there. Um, the they also he was a founder of the <laughs> Hachisant Club, which he was also um, which was basically the Hachisant was like about hash and weed, <laughs> and they ended up for a short period of time having the headquarters on the Ile Saint Louis. Um, but he <laughs> and Baudelaire and all these guys were all a member of this basically this little club where they got to get high. <laughs> that's funny randomly um but right next door in number six is the hotel de Rouen, which is the maison victor hugo in 1605 isaac uh arnaud was he and in, in charge of the finances uh for the king he ended up moving there he had it built in 1612 jean de beaumier who was then next uh the next to henry the fourth when he was killed on may 14 1610 he moved in there um on july 12 1832 hugo signed the lease there he lived there from 1832 to 1848 um juliet drouet who we did an episode about um, in 1833, lived there for, you know, they started their affair that lasted 50 years. And we did a whole episode about her, which is really interesting. In 1902 is when they turned it into a museum. It was inaugurated on June 30th, 1903. The very first curator was Louis Koch, who was the nephew of Juliette Drouet. Um, it just recently, in the last six months, reopened to the public. They did, they added a little cafe and redid the courtyard inside. They fixed the flow of it a little bit, um, but the floors still creak like crazy. Um, it's really interesting. It's free unless there's a special exhibit. Sometimes the special exhibits will cost just, you know, five or seven euros. It's open Tuesday through Sunday from 10 to 6. Uh, but it's definitely one that you want to go pop in and see. Just make a morning of the Place des Vosges. Um, you get really great photos from inside the Victor Hugo Museum <laughs> because there's those beautiful kind of warped uh, glass uh, looking out over the trees and stuff. It's really, really pretty. but it's definitely a place you want to go see and go check out. There's the so much book. to see and do. It is. There's a lot to see there. Definitely. And now they can listen to this podcast and go relive it all. Go walk around on your own. Yeah. Listen to it and walk around, guys. Have some lunch. And tune in next week for our next episode. And don't forget to check out ClaudineHemingway.com. Thank you for listening to Paris History Avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris or it's 
lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.